I would love to have you take your Bibles. If you have one handy, go with me to Luke 24. And the sermon notes have a chunk of the the Bible text we're going to look at. So you can go there as well. I know that would be a help to you to know where we're at. And as I often say, it'll tell you when we're almost done as well. Uh, as As I greet you this Easter morning, I comment similarly to what's on the back of your bulletin. Uh, Today we join millions of other Christian people around the world in celebrating Easter. Uh, Easter, of course, the culmination of Holy Week, as it's often called. And that article on the back of the bulletin kind of gives a little explanation of what all that's about. I realize uh, some of us are raised in church settings, not all of us are. And uh, so kind of an explanation of what, it, what this, it, what this is, is, is celebrating. But last Sunday, of course, Palm Sunday, remembering the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem that final time before that last week of his life here on earth, uh, a day of great optimism and celebration and uh, riding a donkey, not a big white horse as a conqueror. But uh, boy, spirits were high. It was a celebration time. You remember, um, getting ready for Passover. So, so the population of that little city of Jerusalem doubled, tripled, just as people came up from all over Israel to, to celebrate in Jerusalem. So people on the road, and as Jesus came, you remember palm branches and all of those things. Um, people were expecting a Messiah, a Savior. A messianic spirit was, was strong. And that was Palm Sunday. And then, of course, activities of the week, as you read about them in the, the four stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call them the, the Gospels, each giving a little different uh, flavor to, to the, the life of Jesus. But then you come to Good Friday. Wow, people call it good. Well, that's the day we remember Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, called good, of course, because of what was accomplished. And as the Bible tells the story, uh, when Jesus died on that old rugged cross, he was bearing our sin upon his shoulders. That's the message of the Bible. And none of us good enough to earn God's heaven. But there, as Jesus died on the cross, his, he, he carried our sin. He lived a perfect life. And uh, so he was uniquely qualified to be our sin bearer. So when he died on the cross, something spectacular happened. That is, the, the wrath of God against sin was satisfied once and for all. So when Jesus said it is finished, he meant it. Uh, sin atoned for, wrath of God satisfied. Wow. So Good Friday. Well, we spoke of it Good Friday evening here as the day hope died. Uh, this year, thinking of the flow of emotion. Sunday, Palm Sunday, high emotion, optimism. Uh, Good Friday evening, oh, the followers of Jesus, grieving deeply their, their Messiah. I mean, they killed him. They killed him. And what we're going to see this morning, Easter morning, what I, what I really want to press into our hearts today, the early followers of Jesus found it hard to believe. Down through the ages, people find it hard to believe. I mean, seriously. Now, we get this idea, I think, sometimes in our, in our little minds that, that on Easter morning, the disciples, followers of Jesus, just kind of went, oh, he's risen from the dead, and they started singing and dancing right away. They really didn't. Uh, the majority of them kept saying, yeah, but dead people don't rise from the dead. I mean, come on, people, get a grip. No, hard to believe. Many of them struggled. And I, I appreciate it, as you'll see as we go along here today. Um, your sermon notes will give you some idea of where I want to go. And I've given you that chunk of scripture. I, I wanted to say this too, uh, just, just again, paving the way for, for our thoughts here today. Um, I was mulling over 
Easter to Easter, you know, last Easter, 2022, um, and the differences in the year. And of course, um, post-COVID, grateful for that, uh, we can relax a little bit in terms of uh, all, the, all the controversies and you're doing it wrongs and everybody, all the, those things, and uh, grateful for all of that. Uh, a year ago, we were just hearing about this war. It was just starting. Who would have thought? It's still going on. It affects the world. It's not just Ukraine and Russia. It affects the world. I think we all know that. Um, rising tensions globally. Man, if you were to read the Jerusalem Post, which, by the way, is a thing. You can Google Jerusalem Post. The, the news out of Israel, of course, thinking Jerusalem, right, where Jesus uh, died on the cross, rose from the dead. If you, were to, if you were to look at the events of Israel this last week, of course, um, if you're paying attention, Ramadan, Passover, and Easter all converging this year. Doesn't always happen, but uh, that means a lot of people and a lot of tension. Have you noticed? A um, lot of tension going on just in the last week. Uh, missiles coming in from Syria, uh, Israeli defense forces uh, striking back against those bases in Syria, um, uh, terror attacks in Tel Aviv. Um, Political unrest. I read a story about two sisters who were killed in the Jordan Valley in a terror attack. Um, boy, tension in the land of Israel. And if you were to read the Jerusalem Post 2,000 years ago, these, the stories that we're looking at today would be in the news. Everybody knew about this guy that was crucified. Everybody knew. We'll see that in the text. And then this empty tomb thing, it would have been in the news. It was that well known. Well, I want to pray that God would help us, and we're going to step into the text here and uh, talk together about this business of resurrection in Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father, thank you for the morning. Thank you for each one who's come, for those joining us online, grateful for each one. Um, Thank you. Thank you that you know us, each one of us. You know what's going on inside of our hearts and our families and and our life. Um, so glad that you know us and you love us as you do. And I pray that you'd help us as we look at this particular uh, telling of the story of Jesus, that we'd notice the things you want us to notice and that you would do your work in us, uh, all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. As you know, uh, this, this year, we have been working under the theme, uh, When Hope and Despair Collide. And I want you to notice uh, the, 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 the mood in the text as we read it today, okay? So I want to go to this main section, Luke 24, 1 through 12. This is one of the stories of Easter. There are several. And I'm just going to read these first 12 verses, okay? And then we'll, we'll go on from there. Luke 24, 1 through 12, God's word. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. By the way, the they is a group of ladies from the previous chapter, the, the, the main um, people continue here. They went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found a stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember, by the way, not a question. They're not asking. It's a command. It's an order. Remember, do it. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. 
And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, fairy tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. All right. Well, it doesn't sound like an overwhelmingly positive first uh, part of the morning. Um, Some ladies, a story, and a bunch of guys saying, yeah, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. Well, I'm thinking about this business of hope and despair colliding, I, I think we, we underestimate, tried to capture it Friday evening, the despair of Jesus' followers. I mean, it was a very, very dark time after Jesus was crucified on the cross. It, it, the followers of Jesus were about as low as you could get. From, from the heights of hope to absolutely the bottom. I mean, it's over. They, they were planning their lives. They're planning to take over the place. Um, with, you know, with Jesus as a Messiah, and, and all of that came crashing down. You know, I, I wonder when we think about hope and despair here in front of you, I'm talking about despair and fear together, but when you think about hope and despair, I, I, I wonder on this continuum where you would be today. You know, um, I, I sometimes use the analogy of Tigger and Eeyore, um, my good friends, of course, but, but Tigger, where everything's great, Hope's wonderful, everything's all fun. And then Eeyore, where it's just, it's never good. It's always sad. Try as you might, you're not going to get past it. So I, I wonder, based on, on your life, family, work, health, if, if this were a continuum between hope and despair, where would you be? I mean, it's hard sometimes, I know. You might say despair, that's kind of strong kind of a strong term. Depression, discouragement, sadness. I wonder where you'd be. Um, One of the books I'm working my way through, and it turned into be more work than I thought, uh, it's called Of Boys and Men. All right? It's like Of Mice and Men, except Of Boys and Men. Subtitle, Why the Modern Male is Struggling, Why it Matters, and What to Do About It. Um, what's going on with our men? Ladies, I know some of you have been wondering about that for years. And this, this, this book would give you some bit of an idea, I suppose. Richard Reeves, not Michael Reeves, but it's a scholarly account with about a third of the book being footnotes. But it's talking about uh, what's going on with men. I mean, granted, progress and struggles for women. But this is a book saying, uh, can we talk about the guys for a second? What's going on in our world with our men? And I, I was working my way through this chapter five just recently here, and I came across a section I didn't see coming. Just talking about men and losing their place in culture, losing their place in family, losing their place everywhere, and the struggles of, of being male in a world that really honestly, um, okay, ladies, I'm just going to say it to the guys, doesn't appreciate us very much. Okay, now, in this section called um, Depths of Despair, I came across, it's on despair, and, and not depths deaths of despair. And it's just giving, and it's all documented stuff, um, things I hadn't really thought about. We've heard about the opioid epidemic, right? Did you know that 70% of opioid deaths are men? Wow, it's not 50-50. More men. More men. Um, 
job issues, other drug and alcohol addiction issues, men having lost their place, losing hope, men three times more likely to, to commit suicide. You probably knew that. Three times more likely. Um, suicide is now the biggest killer of British men under the age of 45, ahead of everything else. Wow. Huh. Deaths of despair. Well, I could go on. If I read you the whole section, you'd be extremely depressed. Uh, that's not my purpose today. I'm just saying that's one of the voices that's speaking about part of our culture, which is the guy side, um, saying, hey, are we, are we paying attention here? Because it's harder than you think, and especially you get through a pandemic and many who lost jobs and found their identity in their jobs, and now, I mean, who in the world am I? Uh, so, so despair, the, the realities of life. Well, when you come to the story of Jesus, this despair that many of them knew, uh, I mentioned here, as you see in front of you on your, your sermon notes, despair and few are common human, human experiences. And I, I, I would just remind you, if you're somewhere in that, that darker side today, you know, put on your happy face for Sunday. I know, I got it. Here you are, happy Easter to you. But, but I know that when you walk out of here, it's not all fun and games. I'm just saying, those feelings are, are common among humanity. And you are not alone if, if that's where you're at. You're in good, you're in good company. Um, it is harder for a lot of us than we would ever guess. So you're in good, you're good company. Don't think it's just you. Well, the followers of Jesus, I'm saying, some had hoped that Jesus would throw off the bonds of Rome. That was the point of a Messiah. I mean, we would hate it if foreign armies walked our streets. We would hate it, and they did too. And those Romans, Roman soldiers walking up and down here taking your money, taxes, telling you to do stuff you don't want to do, carry my stuff, and you can't say no. We would hate this, and they did too. And so this Messiah idea, they, were, they weren't thinking like, you know, take me to heaven someday, Jesus, really. They were thinking more like, kick the Romans out, Jesus. Bring in, bring in another day. Bring in, uh, you know, our national pride again. Hello. So many of them were hoping, and then he dies. Now where are you? Man, not good at all. They were hoping he was the long-awaited Messiah. They saw him as a miracle worker. If, if even half of those stories were true, healing the sick and raising the dead and feeding people, thousands of people with five loaves and two fish, I don't know about all of that, but let me tell you, if he did it, the thinking went. If he did, just think what that will do for, for an economy. I mean, all this disruption of the supply chain, who cares? He'll just multiply it. This is great. Five loaves, two fish. No one will ever be hungry again. Who needs food banks? Well, and then Jesus died. Then Jesus died. And, and with Jesus dying, hope died too for many. For you, for some of us, other things take away our hope. Whether it's family problems, personal issues, ill health, bad diagnosis from the doctor. Uh, these things take away our hope. Well, I want to go straight to Luke's account, and you see where I'm going here uh, on your sermon notes. Uh, just a, a number of things from, from the account we read a moment ago. Um, men and women, I'm saying, the disciples, men and women alike, are demoralized and fearful as we come to this text. And I want you to look with me, whether in your Bible there or in your sermon notes, on that first day of the week, as we read about it here a moment ago, the, dis, the, the ladies came to the tomb. The ladies, the ladies came to the tomb. And they're taking spices that they prepared. What was this all about? Well, you perhaps understand that first century, there are not undertakers. They're not funeral directors. And so the caring, the process of caring for a family member or friend who died fell on family and friends. 
typically family. So when someone died in, in your circle, uh, you cared for them. You cared for their body. Okay, that's what's going on here. When these ladies went to the tomb that morning, they were not expecting to find an empty tomb. They were expecting to find the dead body of their friend. That's why they took spices, because what they would do was wash a body and then put all these spices on on the body. It was intended to mask the, 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 the smell of decay and then wrap it up and place it there in a family tomb, typically a hole in a, in, in a, you know, like a cave, on a bench, and the way they did I know every culture has their own funeralization practices. Back in that day, it was very common to put a body there on a stone shelf, leave it for a year, and they'll go back and really honestly, sorry guys, collect the bones, put them in an ossuary or, or, a, or a, a jar, and then the, that platform is ready for the next. It's what they did. And they didn't find it creepy and awful. It was part of how they... You grieve for that year. You're caring for your loved one. And that's what they're doing. They're going to go. Where are the men, by the way? Well, we'll comment later. They're hiding. They are scared to death. They captured Jesus, and look what they did to him, and we're out of here. So they are hiding behind locked doors. Ladies, by the way, good job. Uh, These uh, ancestors of yours said, okay, who's going to do the hard work? Well, we're going. We're going to get up early, and we're going to take these jars, 70 pounds, I think another Texas, of, of, of spices, and we're going to go, and we're going to take care of him, and we're going to do what, what nobody wants to do. When they got up in the morning, um, I'm telling you, it wasn't with singing and dancing in mind. It was with a grim task, and ladies, we're in. Who's in? Are you coming? Are you coming? We're going to go do this. We're going to do what nobody wants to do, but somebody must. So They went. And I appreciate it. I appreciate what they did. This was a, a journey of love. Uh, they found the stone rolled away, Luke notes. They found the stone rolled away. Elsewhere, Mark's gospel says they weren't sure how they were going to do that. That was a big rock. And they're figuring there's guards here. Maybe as ladies, we can sweet talk the guards. I don't know. How's this going to work? We're going to make it up, okay? It's a big rock and the men aren't coming. So we're going to go do for our friend. Um, I, I find it, I find it, This text is full of things that debunk the idea that someone stole the body of Jesus. I mean, you have to do something with an empty tomb. And one of the one of the first century, according to Gospel of Matthew, one of the first century stories was was that the disciples stole the body. That was that was passed around in in the first century. Right after this, you read it in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, People were saying, I mean. Somebody stole this body. The disciples did because they wanted to, you know, run around and say, hey, fairy tale time. Hey, he's alive and keep it going. And I'm just pointing out the the ladies apparently didn't get the note because they were going to go prepare for a body. They're carrying spices and the guys are hiding like scared children. So stealing a body. Yeah, pretty unlikely for this whole posse. Pretty unlikely. Uh, They're expecting to see a dead body. Now, I, I go then to my second element there. Despite the rumors of resurrection, the disciples find it hard to believe. Yeah, no kidding. So the ladies go, and I'm looking here at verse 4. Uh, with the ladies are there in this empty tomb, puzzled because the, the shelf where the body was is empty. I mean, go figure. You walk in, and I mean, the stone's there or rolled away, and you walk in, and, and he, there's nobody here. There's a cloth. That's kind of weird. And they're trying to figure this out, and boom, suddenly there's these two guys. Well, you read in other texts, they're called angels, but two men stood by them. It sounds like angels, I guess. I've not seen one in dazzling apparel, 
frightened and bowed their faces. Now, we picture this in kind of a formal sense, maybe like they're a little scared and then they give a little head nod. I got a hunch it's a little more of a head, than a head nod. I mean, if you're one place and all of a sudden these two guys in dazzling, dazzling apparel are right there where no people had been before, this would be quite jarring to most of us. Um, hello. That's weird. Uh, so a couple, couple guys, again, identified as angels elsewhere. They're, they're frightened and amazed, the ladies are. And the guys say to them, the angels, why do you seek the living among the dead? Remember, remember, I mentioned it's a command, not a question. It's an imperative. Remember, please. Remember what he said. Do it. And they started going, whoa, I guess, I guess he did say something about this. They remembered his words, run back from the tomb. And the names are given. Mary, Joanna, Mary again, a bunch of other women who tell the apostles, and well done, guys, the, the, the guys don't believe the ladies. That's verse 11. It seems like an idle tale, a fairy tale, and they did not believe them. The men, of course, John's gospel, hiding behind closed doors, a bunch of ladies come in and say, no, really, I mean, we saw these angels and stuff. And the, the men, as good first century men, I'm not picking on them, or am I picking on y'all, um, First century, you, you are aware that a woman's word in court didn't count for much. That's what it was. A man's word in court, they're more likely to tell the truth. I'm just telling you the way it was. Easy, easy. Don't rush the front. Uh, men are more objective. Women are more emotional. We all know this. It's what it was. It was the idea of women. And so when a bunch of ladies come in and say, no, really, we saw these angels and he's not there, I can just picture the guys saying, okay, okay, Mary, Joanna, my, I'm here, sit down. Um, I know it's wishful thinking. Uh, it's what happens in grief. Grief does weird things to your head. Some of you know this story. You, you, I mean, you hear the, the voice of the person who died, and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, what was that all about? Your brain can do all kinds of things. This isn't, we didn't make that up. It's part of grief experience. And so these guys certainly going, ladies, ladies, easy. Go ahead and sit down. A little extra wine in the goblet last night? Is that what happened? Easy, just sit down. And they did not believe them. There you go. Peter, of course, gets up. John's gospel says John went too. But Luke only mentions Peter. Peter gets up, runs to the tomb, looks in. Wow, has his own experience there with John. Wow, what is this? Goes back home, it says here, marveling. What is this? What has happened? Hard to believe. Now, I mentioned here on your notes, this is an important detail. When the ladies returned from the tomb and all the disciples didn't believe them, because, please get this, first century people were not gullible, death-denying, pre-scientific, fairy tale believing people who will fall for anything. There is a common perception that people of old, you know, they just didn't get stuff. So somebody passes out and they go, huh, they died that's insulting to all of the people who've gone before you. May I suggest that people in earlier centuries, not even that far before us, um, were smarter about death than most of us. In our day, more deaths happen in care facilities or people separated from family settings. In, in much of the world today, certainly then, more deaths happened in family settings. So attending to a loved one's death was a normal part. As a kid, this would have been a party. Multi-generational family, you, you were much more likely to be around death. Uh, as I mentioned, caring for the body after a person has died, 
you're going to do it. Family's going to do it. Part of the world still does this, you probably know. There are places today, I've been in Africa, where you, if you go down to this little village and so on, you got the fruit stand and you got the goats and the places with the fish cooking, and then you got the casket house. They're, they've got caskets for sale. So I remember seeing this. Somebody, off they go in a little cart um, with, their, with their vegetables and so on, and somebody's casket hanging off the back strap down. Like, oh, you're going to go get some milk? Yeah, I'll get a casket too. Really, it was kind of like that when somebody died. You just go down there and pick one out like you're shopping for something else. Shoes. But we'll take the one. Here we go. It's the way it was. And then you're going to go back home and take care of it all, you and your family. So I'm saying this. If you've ever attended a death, and I'd be gentle here. Uh, I have been there as some of you. If you pay attention at all, you know when death occurs. You do. You do. There's a a marked difference when a a person's spirit or soul leaves their body. And if you've been through that at all, you you know this was the moment of death. I'm just saying, these folks, first century people, were probably smarter at this than you. So the whole idea that Jesus passed out or something like this, oh, stop. Stop. No, they understood death, and they knew its finality, and they knew, like you, that when somebody died, that was it. So somebody coming back and saying, no, really, they're alive again, you'd go, oh, please. I mean, come on. I, I know how this is. Don't, don't, don't try to get me to hope again. Don't, don't try to get me to walk that road. No, I, I, I know death. I saw him die. And I was there when they put him in the tomb. I know about this. So don't give me, don't. I'm just saying, they, 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 they very much believed he was dead. They knew he was because he was. Now, the way this story uh, continues, uh, the rest of Gospel Luke, it was too long for me to put on your sermon notes if that's what you're looking at here. So I just want to tell a little more of what happens here in this chapter as we head uh, toward the latter part of this. But there's, there, there's a story told here in Luke 24, starting verse 13. Two of them are walking from, from Jerusalem up to Emmaus, a few miles away. And it says Jesus drew near. They weren't expecting to see him risen from the dead. Here he is looking just fine. I think their eyes prevented, it says here, from recognizing him. Jesus walks up to them, and Cleopas, one of them, says, uh, when Jesus asks, hey, what's going on? He says, are you the only one here who doesn't know? In other words, it would have been in the newspaper. Everybody in town knows. Everybody's talking about this. Are you the only one in town who doesn't know about what happened to this guy named Jesus? Man, they killed him. They killed him. They did. He was such a good guy. They killed him. And in verse 21, uh, Cleopas says, we had hoped, or some of your texts will say, we were hoping. Either way, it's past tense. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. So they'd heard about this, but, but as you notice back in verse 17, they're still looking sad. I just want you to notice their affect, okay? They're still sad. Even though they've heard rumors of resurrection, they're not easy believers, okay? They're still they're still downcast and sad. And then, and then Cleopas says and to, to this person that he, later they know is Jesus, three days ago, my goodness sakes, or, or, here's this story. It's been three days since it all happened, and now the people are talking about seeing him alive, and I just don't know what to make of this. Wow. Continuing despair. See there on your sermon notes. Continuing despair. It's interesting to me, even after Jesus was resurrected and so on, Matthew's gospel says they, even at the ascension, some doubted. Thomas, of course, John 20. 
But I want to I look at what, what, what Jesus says to them starting in verse 25, okay? Jesus says to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ, which is a title, the Christ, uh, it's not a name, the, uh, the anointed one, the Messiah, so it's a title for Jesus, Jesus Christ, that uh, Jesus is his name, the Christ is a title. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them, but all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He took him on a tour of the Old Testament. He said, people, Jewish people, you guys know the Bible, you know the Old Testament. Don't you remember what you read? I'd love, I'd love to hear that lecture. But I, I suspect he took him back to, I mean, they're just celebrating Passover. You remember Passover, the Passover lamb? The lamb was perfect. Remember its blood was shed and the door was marked and everybody who was inside that house was protected by the blood of the lamb? Hello? I don't imagine he was snarky with them, but, but, but he's walking through the Old Testament and the other sacrifices. Do you remember about this? Do you remember the point? And David, the great king, and the promises of God to David, my goodness, one will sit on your throne forever. That's me. And the Psalms, you remember the part in Psalm 16 about you're not going to let your holy one undergo decay? That's me. I can just imagine him going through Psalm 118. Have you read that? Isaiah 53, the journey he must have taken them on. Do you remember? Do you remember? Slow of heart, he says, to believe. Well, they were. They were slow of heart. In a sense, I think they doubted for us because sometimes we doubt as well. They were slow to believe. They were slow to believe. I want to go to just a little further here, though. They came to the village, um, and, and, and as you read the story in verse 31, at that moment when he broke bread, I think reminiscent of the Last Supper, it says their eyes were open and they recognized him. They had an aha moment. All of a sudden, maybe as he handed their, them bread and they saw nail holes and went, oh! and then it says he vanished from their sight. This would have been a cool moment. Don't you think to be a fly on the wall? All of a sudden, those in the room go, it's him, and he's gone. I don't know if there was a poof. I don't know if there was a, you know, you wonder these things. A little, a little bit of, you know, I don't know. But he's gone. And you go, that was him. No, I saw the nail scars. Did you see that too? Yes, I did. Wait a minute. That was him the whole time on the road? This is nuts. Could it, I can just imagine the conversation. They were real people. They were real people. It was not like this uh, thou shalt moment. This is real people going, did you see that? That's craziness. Maybe, was it really true? I mean, there he was. He was right here. Oh, I mean, I got to tell the ladies. I got to go apologize to the ladies. We didn't believe them. They were right the whole time. Who knew? Shortly thereafter, shortly thereafter, it says in verse 36, the guys run around, go back and tell others. He, he, Jesus is stand, stands among them and says peace to them, and they're scared to death. That's verse 37. Yeah, you think so. But I, a couple of details here. He says, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. This is instructive for us about our own death and resurrection. This is what the Bible teaches. That knows who know Christ, we're, we're, we're safe with him forever, forgiven for our sins and on this day that the Bible describes as a future day of resurrection, it's not like you're resurrected in some weird ghost-like thing. So here it describes Jesus in his resurrection body as touchable. 
So he says, touch me. In other words, if you reached out and touched the resurrected Christ, you'd hit a body, a corporal body. You wouldn't go through his arm and go, ooh, that was weird. No, um, he's not a ghost. It's an actual body. So touch me and see. A spirit does not have flesh and bones. As you see that I have, he shows them his hands and his feet. And in verse 41, they still disbelieve for joy and marveling. I think this is just blowing their minds. And then he says, do you have something to eat? And they gave him a piece of well, boiled, broiled fish, and he ate it. Why did he do that? I suspect it's to say, do you see this body? I'm not a ghost. So fish, anybody? And he eats it. So this is a touchable body that's been resurrected. It's, it's a body you can eat things with. And of course, this makes people say, so in heaven, like you can eat and not gain weight. Is that what I'm picking up here? Because if so, I want to know what else is there other than broiled fish. Uh, I know back in the 90s, there was a song, you know, Big Big House and lots and lots of food. I do, I, that's all outside the Bible. The Bible never says, you know, Big Big House, lots and lots of food. I'm just pointing out here in this text, the resurrected body of Jesus was touchable and he could eat things and he was saying, see, I am not a ghost. See, a resurrected body. I think this is instructive for what the Bible has in mind for, for, the, for, for us in resurrection. Wonderful. And I, and I think that's, that's kind of fun. They're still struggling to believe. Some disbelieved for joy and marveling. I think they're going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can this be true? Because if this is true, then everything changes. Then when you're dead, you're not just dead. Because you were dead and now you're not. So the whole idea that people often have today, you know what, I just don't buy it. When you're dead, you're dead. These guys are dealing with that. Because apparently he was dead and now he's not. So that's why they're struggling to believe. That, that changes everything. So once you're dead, it doesn't mean you're gone forever. And hope for our loved ones who go before us and for our loved ones after us when they say goodbye to us. Huh? Wow. Well, there's more here. You can read that. I want, I want to move to that final section. They're called Responding to God's Word. And I, I just want to summarize here. We're talking under the theme for this week, Holy Week, when hope and despair collide. You know, God's answer to, to despair and to, to giving up and to, you know, all of those things, it's, it's resurrection, it's new life, it's reason for hope. And if you're on that side of discouragement and sadness, boy, I sure understand that. Um, it's hard to climb out of that pit. And I would never expect someone who is struggling with a season of darkness or depression or despair to just like you know, snap and suddenly you're fine. I really do know that it isn't like that. But I also know that the idea that Jesus Christ really truly rose from the dead, that it really is a big deal because it's reason for hope in a world that doesn't have a lot of other reasons. Okay? So the resurrection of Jesus, I would offer to you, I was chatting this, about this with a, a young man um, a while ago who, who just had seen a lot more sadness in his young life than is fair. And he was wondering if there's reason to continue because it sure is lousy so far. And what, what do you say to someone for reason to keep going? What, it's going to get better, right? Is that what you're going to tell them? Are you going to dare say that to somebody? That's pretty dumb. Because it might not get better. No, come on. Something good. Mm-mm-mm. Really? No, somebody else you love might get hit by a bus. 
Now, what is the reason for hope? Well, I, I gave him the only one I have. And that is that God is on the throne and Jesus truly rose from the dead. I, I really think that's it in terms of stuff that lasts. Okay? No, really. There's a living God in heaven. And his son Jesus died on a cross for all of our sin and rose from the dead. No, he really did. And if he did, that changes everything. That's reason for hope. I hope you have that hope. I I wish it for you today. Genuine trust that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he paid the the penalty for your sin, because you can't, my friend. You can't. You could spend all eternity trying to pay for your sin. You can't, because you've done stuff wrong. Jesus was the only one who could pay for it. He never sinned. He was the only candidate to pay for our sin. He did. Rose from the dead. I'll give you that last little note there, second bullet point at the bottom. Uh, one of the Jewish leaders who examined Jesus asked the question, what shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? That's the question every person who lives has to answer. What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? You can ignore him. You can disbelieve him. You can push him off and wait till later. Or you can trust him as your savior. I highly recommend the latter. And if you say no, you're doing the others. Ignoring, waiting till later, and hoping you don't wait too long. And I hope you don't wait too long either. Father, thank you so much for the morning. Thank you that we can, along with millions of others around the world today and in the weeks ahead, with others who celebrate another day, our Father, we can celebrate Jesus. Thank you for this. Uh, An empty tomb, a Savior whose death on the cross paid for our sin, whose resurrection from the dead promises us life. Thank you for this. Help us as we go from here. Help us to figure out the implications of all this and our individual response to Christ today. Thank you for the morning, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.